Now, many people feel like that this passage has no significance for me and you because Paul is talking to the Jewish people, his friends. But we're going to see today that there are truths in this passage that will help us as a church, help you as an individual believer to be more effective and more useful in the hands of God. Now, as a Jew reading this book of Romans, they might think, you know what? There's no hope for us as descendants of Abraham. We don't have any hope. It sounds like Paul's writing to uh, Gentiles that are saved by faith. But Paul has proven quite well that men are saved by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not saved by rituals like communion. We're not saved by baptism. We're not saved by coming to church. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by offerings and giving to charities and doing good works and good things. And so what Paul does is he pauses here in the midst of his teaching to a church, a church not unlike ourselves. He pauses here to let them know that God wasn't done with the Jewish people yet, that God still had a plan for the future of the Jewish people that Paul loved so much. And so in the next three chapters, he has a lot to say to the Jews. But you have to listen carefully because he has a lot of great things to say to the church as well. In doing so, Paul teaches us how to have a heart for people. He teaches us about his heart for people. And he also teaches us about the kind of heart that we should have for people who are lost. In Romans chapter 9, follow along with me in verse 1. Paul says, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who were Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises of whom are fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Good morning, church. Do you have a heart for lost people? It's all well and good that you're going to heaven. Do you have a heart for those that aren't? In this passage, Paul reveals that he had a heart. In fact, he had a heart so strong for people that he felt it was an obligation. A heartfelt obligation. For eight chapters now, Paul has been revealing the thrilling truth, y'all. The thrilling truth that anyone who is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is saved forever. That's good news, ain't it? But listen to this. That same truth is devastating news to unbelievers. That same truth is devastating news 
especially to the unbelieving Jew. I'm going to tell you why. Because that's part of the reason why he had such a burden on his heart for these Jewish people. First of all, let me tell you a little bit about Paul's heart. Paul said in verse 1 that he had an honest heart. I tell you the truth, he said. The truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. You see, most lost people, but almost all Jews, initially look upon the message of the cross with great distrust. Many lost people look upon the message of the cross with great doubt in their heart. And here Paul just wants them to know, hey guys, all I'm doing is sharing the truth with you. I just want you to know the truth. The truth is that without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you've got no hope. You've got no hope of being saved from the penalty of your sin. So Paul wants these people to know. He wants these lost people to know that he cares. He wants these lost people to know, hey, I got a heart for you. He wants them to know that he's sincere. He wants them to know he's concerned for them. Can I tell you that it is absolutely vital that we as believers share Christ from an honest heart. It is critical, friends. That we share the gospel good news with no ulterior motives. We're not looking to build a church. We're not looking for numbers. We're not looking to improve workers for the ministry. We're interested in people because of their soul. Their lost soul. You know, you may be the only hope they have. We may be the only hope they have of somebody coming to Christ. Paul had an incredibly honest heart, but he also had a very heavy heart. Look in verse 2. That I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. This incredibly heavy burden breaks Paul's heart. He's like a mama who's lost her child. And her heart is broken. Paul's heart is broken over the condition of the lost sinner. It grieves him to no end to even think that there are those who don't know Jesus who are headed to hell. The fact that they are perishing when he has something to say about it is something that is a weight that is impossible to carry. Did you know that this is the exact same kind of burden that you and I are called to carry? A burden for the perishing? A burden for the lost? This is the kind of burden that we should be carrying for lost sinners? I mean, we're surrounded by millions, y'all. Surrounded by millions of people who are headed to hell. And how does the church act? We act like she don't even care. We live our lives. Go along our merry way. 
We get all wrapped up in our own little world without giving the lost a second thought. When was the last time that you were burdened to pray for a lost sinner? When was the last time that God woke you up first thing in the morning and the first thought in your mind was, man, i got to share the gospel with her. She's lost in her sin. When was the last time that you were moved, moved just at the thought that someone was going to hell and you had something to do about it? Friends, before we leave here today, every one of us ought to confess that cold and callous attitude. And we should ask God to kindle a fire in us that will burn for those who are perishing. They're not hard to find. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to do that today? If you will... God will surely bless you. Paul had a very honest heart. He had a very heavy heart. But Paul also had a very hungry heart. Look in verse 3. For I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Paul makes a statement here that sounds absolutely crazy. You wonder, has he tripped over the rough edge? Has he gone over the edge? He says, if it were possible, he would allow himself to be separated from God and sentenced to hell forever for the sake of somebody else, for the sake of a lost sinner. And you know what? I don't think Paul was exaggerating here. I think that that was part of his heart. His heart for people. What a burden must have gripped his heart. You ever been willing to pray that kind of prayer? <laughs> I haven't. Have you ever been burdened so much for a lost sinner that, that you pray, Lord, save them no matter what it takes? Could you say to God, Father, even if it means that I must suffer, even if it means that I must die, save them from hell. Friends, listen, when you get that serious, when you get that real, you're going to see the Lord speak to you in a supernatural way. You're going to see the Lord start talking to you about talking to others, amen. You know, I remember reading a story about a woman who became so burdened for her drunken, abusive husband. She loved God, but he wouldn't listen to a word she had to say about church or God. He was a hateful man. Hateful. And he had no use for church. He had no use for God. One week, the church that the wife was attending was holding a revival, and she invited the evangelist over for dinner. And when she did, she set two places. Two places, one for the husband, one for the evangelist. She didn't even set a place for herself. 
And when her husband asked her about that, why she only set two places, she said, I am too burdened to eat. How can I eat when I know that any breath might be your last and that if you die today, you'll surely go to hell? She said, I'm not eating ever again until you come to Christ. However, I will pray for you and I'll pray for your soul. The husband laughed right in her face and said, well, you're going to get awful skinny then because I'll never get saved. But it was less than one week later that man became burdened over his sin and he gave his life once and for all to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, y'all, there's a lost world out there. And the lost world is bigger than the saved world. So the fruit is ripe for the picking. It's a lost world around us, and we have got to get a heart. We've got to get a heart for those lost people. We should reveal the same heartfelt obligation that Paul had. But not only did Paul have this heartfelt obligation, he also dreaded a missed opportunity. You see, God had given many, many gifts to the nation of Israel. Let's read about them a little bit there in verse 4. You who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are fathers and of whom... From whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. See, God had given that nation of Israel every spiritual truth they needed. Had given them every revelation regarding his plans. They were in a special covenant relationship with God. They were considered to be his people. All of the Old Testament prophets and all those Old Testament prophecies are all given to Israel. All of the promises concerning the Messiah given to Israel. Even the vision of the coming kingdom given to the nation of Israel. The people of Israel had been given more light than any other nation of the world ever had or ever would. Yet they got so bogged down in the letter of the law. They got so bogged down in the religious rituals that when the greatest gift of God was ever given, they missed him. They missed him when he came. What about you? God has given the greatest gift that mankind could ever have. Have you missed him? Do you know somebody who's missed him? But not, not only did God give many gifts to Israel, God had also given much grace to Israel. The end of verse 5 said that Christ came through them. Much grace. No other people had been given such a privilege than the nation of Israel. God became a man and was born among them, among those Jewish people. God had manifested himself to these Jewish people. But they refused to submit to him. Now God has revealed himself to you too. Yet how many of us on a regular basis
refuse to submit those little corners of our life to him. Friend, for, for God, it's all or none. He wants all of you, not just this portion of your life. He wants it all. He's afforded us much, much grace. John 1.11 says, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And how prophetic was it when Pontius Pilate said to the Jews, Behold your king. And then later on they cried out, Away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And all the people said, We have no king but Caesar. In other words, we have no king but the world. See, that's our challenge. Is Jesus your king or not? Think about it. To come to this place, the, the Jewish people had to ignore every prophecy that was given to them. They had to disregard every miracle, every proof that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. I mean, what did they do with the raising of Lazarus from the dead? How do you get past that? How did they silence those 5,000 people that were fed that day? What did they do with those 500 people that saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead? How did he get past that? I mean, they had to overcome hurdle after hurdle after hurdle in order to get past Jesus. The fact that he was indeed the Messiah. Friends, what have you done with the light you've been given? Is the light you've been given something that is so significant that everybody around you has got to know it too? Is he really your king? Have you embraced Jesus and the salvation he offers? Or have you just kind of turned a deaf ear to the gift of God? If you're listening, say amen. Don't let your life be defined by one giant missed opportunity. God puts you, intersects your life with people every day. Somebody that needs to hear the gospel. Somebody that needs to hear the life-saving good news about Jesus. And we miss the opportunity. Some people's lives, some Christians' lives are defined by one giant missed opportunity, one after another, after another, after another. And I'm sure that God finally gets weary of giving us all these opportunities and says, she ain't going to tell nobody. I'll go on to the next one. He ends up putting us up on the shelf because we're not being obedient to what he's called us to do. Your life and your voice ought to be testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. So Paul revealed this heartfelt obligation and he dreaded this missed opportunity. But finally, we see that Paul was also moved by a divine observation. Christ came who is over all the eternally blessed God. 
Paul ends this section by reminding the church, just like us, he's reminding us, reminding us that this Jesus that he's preaching about ain't no ordinary man. He's not some man who couldn't keep his mouth shut and ended up getting nailed to a cross. No. He reminds them, and he reminds me and you of who Jesus is. Paul was moved by the person of Jesus. Paul calls him Christ, which means anointed one. Jesus is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. He's the one that God the Father promised to send. He's the one who would take away the sins of the world. He's the one who is worthy of our faith. He's the one who is worthy of our love. He's the one who is worthy of our worship. He's the one. Paul was also moved by the power of Jesus because he said not only that Christ came, but that he was over all. He was over all. We got to remember what John 1.3 says. That Jesus was the agent of creation. That all things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. We got to remember that he possesses all earthly power. And all heavenly power. He said this about himself in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. We've got to remember what the Bible says in Revelation 19, that he himself declared himself to be king of kings and lord of lords. Is he today your king? Is he today your lord? Paul was moved by the person of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, but also for the present position of Jesus. Christ came who is over all the eternally Blessed God. With that one simple statement, Paul reminds the church, guess what, y'all? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And since that's true, the command to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength is the same command to love Jesus with everything you got. Do you today? Do you today? Have you come to him like you should? Have you confessed your sins like you should? Are you exalting him in the life you're living like you should? Are you serving him with every ounce of your being like you should? Is your heart broken for those who haven't come or those who aren't loving Jesus like they should? Friend, do you have a burden for lost people at all? Can I go so far today to say that if you don't have a burden for lost people, you ain't saved. Bill's done gone off his rocker, hadn't he? Hey, don't you be telling me I'm not saved, Bill. But will you not have a passion for lost people if indeed you have tasted the goodness of salvation that Christ offers? If it's become real in your life, you're going to want to make it real in somebody else's. Friend, are you grieved at the prospect 
of someone being locked out of heaven when you hold the key? No, you ain't going. I got this. I'm going. But I ain't going to tell you how to go. You hold the key. You hold the answer to life's greatest question. You know what people want to know? What's going to happen when I die? You hold the answer to that question. You have the cure for the greatest disease that life knows, which is sin. You got the cure. You're the greatest doctor there ever was. Not only that, you have the only hope that God has given for salvation, and his name is Jesus Christ. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Put the key in your pocket. Keep the cure to yourself. Whatever you do, don't give nobody no hope for salvation. Listen, there ain't no better time than today for us as believers, for us as the church, to come down before the God of glory and seek the Father's face for lost people. Say, I ain't got nothing to do up there at the altar, Bill. Are you telling me you don't know any lost people? Are you telling me maybe you're not saved? Man, this altar ought to be slammed full because you're praying for that person who you know is lost. Listen to what Jesus said in the parable of the Great Supper. He said, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. If you don't, maybe you need to get saved today. But if you are saved and you do have a heart for lost people, I'm going to issue you a challenge today. BYG, hand out those cards. Quickly. This challenge that I'm issuing to you, every child, every young person, every adult, is entitled the 3151 Challenge. How I wanted to know, does it involve math? No, it does not involve math, praise God. But this 3151 Challenge is for every person in this building who is saved, who has a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you look on the back of this card, you'll see how easy it is to understand 3151. Three is, write down three lost people that you know. Now let me just preface this by saying this. You're not doing it today. I want you to take this home. I want you to consider it heavily. And this is not between you and Brother Bill. This ain't between you and your friend, you and your husband, you and your wife. This is between you and God. I want you to take this home. And I want you to meditate on this. 
And I want you to pray about this. And I want you to write down in these first three slots the three lost people that you're going to be praying for. You know a lot more than three, so just pick three. Three people who are lost in your sphere of influence or people you know. That's three. The next one is one. I'm going to learn one way to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now you say, Bill, how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to teach you. Over the course of several months, I'm going to teach you different ways of sharing the gospel that are simple, brief, quick, but to the point, and scriptural. All you have to do in the one is that you're going to learn one of them that I'm going to teach you. Okay? You're going to learn one gospel presentation. Three lost people. I'm going to learn one gospel presentation. And then the next one says five. I'm going to invite five people to church. Could be five neighbors. Could be five family members. Five strangers, five co-workers. It matters not. But I'm going to invite them. Five. And finally, the last one is, is after I learn that gospel presentation, one, one of these days, I'm going to have an opportunity that I ain't going to miss. And I'm going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody in this next year. Three, one, five, one. Three lost people learn one gospel presentation, invite five people to church, and share the gospel with one of those lost people. Again, it's between you and God. But I'm going to refer to this every day from here on out. So you're going to feel awful weird if I start talking about this and you ain't even got three lost people lit yet. Fill that out. Bring it with you every Sunday. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your purse. Put it in your wallet. Fold it. I don't care what you do as long as you bring it with you every Sunday. And we're going to pray as a church over your lost people and over these folks you're going to invite. And over the course of the next several months, you're going to find one of these gospel ways to share the gospel, one of these gospel ways to share the good news. And you're going to say, man, I just didn't realize it was that easy. But it is. And it's going to be an honor to equip you to do that. So if you will take this 3151 challenge with me, because I'm taking it too, stand up right now. Ain't no better to guilt somebody into something, is there? Because you know I'm going to be looking to see who is not going to be able to do that. Amen? Amen. 3151. All right? Now listen, as we go into this invitation time, maybe you just need to pray about whose name's going to appear on your challenge card. Don't miss an opportunity God gives you. Your lives intersect with people every day. And if you're honest, like I've been honest with myself all week, I have blown it sky high over and over and over again. And I'm tired of it, y'all. 